You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. How's everybody doing on this hump day? Hopefully, your week's not sucking, or you're in a tree and you're chasing, you're still chasing deer. Um... You know, I've started to hear a little bit of buzz about this rut starting to pick up, uh, which is good for those guys who are still hunting, uh, whether you're hunting for meat or for antlers, or if you're a brown and down hunter, or if you're hunting for maturity. Um, good luck to you, these remainder, uh, you know, this, the remainder of this uh, rut. Hopefully, you guys can fill some tags out there and uh get it done i'm uh, hoping to get out and maybe put a doe or two down in the next couple weeks before the shotgun season starts and then i think i've made my decision to uh get another late season archery tag which is uh, uh a muzzleloader tag but you can use your bow for that so i'm gonna give that a try as well and uh see what what can happen uh, late season hopefully we get some cold nasty weather that uh, gets them up and move into uh, some some uh, food sources but that's not what this podcast is about today today we're going to be talking with john lacourt from tracked Op- optics about their binoculars they are they're a direct-to-consumer company similar to exodus and um, they believe in higher quality pro- product for less price and that's a benefit you know on two categories for the consumer so uh it's a pretty interesting podcast you'll get a lot out of it before we get to the podcast i was talking with john livingston from deer lab about a specific example of how deer lab worked and here's what he had to say sure definitely um we get testimonies all the time coming in, um, but one that stands out from all the rest is the Dan Kaufman buck, which was shot uh, last year. It's a free-range buck. Uh, Dan was in Ohio. He had a farm in Ohio, and uh, the buck that he shot was a had a Pope and Young net score of 287 and 5 eighths of an inch. It was a monster of a buck. And um, I was talking to Dan about, okay, tell me, please, how did you use Deer Lab? And he said that he just used Deer Lab for this particular buck. He was targeting it, and that was the only buck that he was going after. And he realized after using Deer Lab that the buck, which is called the Dan Kaufman buck, 
um, basically only moved during daylight hours with a full moon. And so he was like just racking his brain trying to figure out how to get to this buck. He was he was bedded down in a big bean field in the middle of the bean field, and um, he just wouldn't move. And so using Deer Lab, he realized that this buck was only moving during a full moon. And so the next full moon came about. He went out, and sure enough, he I think it was like a 15-yard shot that he had for him. So that was kind of our, you know, one testimony that stands out above everything else. It's the number two buck shot by bow in the world. If you guys want to find out more information about Deer Lab, visit DeerLab.com backslash nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers. So that's DeerLab.com slash nine fingers. And by signing up through that URL, you will receive a 30 day free trial period. Um, I'm telling you guys, it's worth it. It'll help you uh, potentially pattern some bucks from previous years, or maybe find where this buck is uh, consistently traveling. And uh, you might be able to be one step ahead of him. So check that out. Now let's get into this hump day edition of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast with John LaCourt from Tracked Optics. All right, on the phone with me now is from Tracked Optics is John LaCourt. How are you doing today, John? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. So it is November and uh, I, I'm already tagged out here in Iowa as far as the, the regular archery season is concerned. How has your season been going so far? Well, uh, honestly, timing is, uh, is pretty good. I actually uh, shot a really nice buck this morning in upstate New York and uh, literally just got back to my office about 10 minutes ago uh, so that I can make this podcast. So uh, oh, I'm tagged out as far as uh, I've got my bow tag filled and our uh, rifle season comes in uh, uh, on Saturday, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, nice. So uh, what did you end up harvesting? I shot a nice A-point on uh, on state land in upstate New York, which, uh, you know, about a, a two-and-a-half-year-old deer, which, you know, a lot of parts of the country would be a buck that a lot of people, you know, pass up. But, you know, in, in the heavily hunted uh, southern zone of New York, you know, a two-and-a-half-year-old deer is uh, something not a lot of guys get a chance to see. Um, they have implemented some, you know, antler restrictions, which has really helped to, you know, get the age of the deer up there. But, uh, you know, pretty pretty good buck for the area that I'm hunting. Nice. So is, is there a lot of pressure on the pieces of property that you hunt as far as, uh, hunters are concerned? Yeah, not as much, you know, during bow season, but in the firearm season, it's, it's basically, uh, it's like a war zone to be honest with you. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, it's just the way it is. It's always been like that, you know, states like Pennsylvania are pretty much the same way. It's, uh, you know, it used to be called the pumpkin army where, uh, you know, tons of guys in orange clothes were hitting the woods for, especially the, the opening day, a, a huge percentage of bucks are, are taken that very first day. So, nice. uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. It's cool. I gotcha. So today we're going to be talking about, uh, specifically about, um, your binoculars and we may jump into the rifle scopes in a little bit, but, uh, before we start getting into the meat and potatoes, uh, of, about tracked optics. Why don't you tell us what your role is uh, with the company and uh, what you do there? Sure, we'd love to. 
Um, I'm actually one of the co-founders. Um, my partner, John Allen, and I started the company in December of 2015. Uh, we both had worked for a major optics company uh, for 17 years on my part, 23 years on John's part. And we just saw a lot of changes in, in the organization, in, in the way uh, retailers were operating. And it just kind of opened the door for us to create a company where, you know, we don't, we didn't have to worry about providing, you know, the, the big box retailer with a huge margin. And every time they open up a store, they basically are looking for support. And that's just the way the retail world runs. But there's that big markup that the consumer's paying. And, you know, we felt that, you know, why is that? Why couldn't we change that? Why couldn't we develop a great product and have the, you know, really the consumer as our most important, you know, aspect um right. you get these big companies where bottom lines and top lines become the most important thing and you know the product starts to suffer at the end of the day the consumer is the one who's losing so you know there are companies out there i mean i'm sure a, a, a lot of people uh, that'll be listening have heard of the dollar shave club and look at how that uh, this company has disrupted the environment of of that market by going direct, providing a great product at a great value, great customer experience, and the person doesn't even have to leave their home. So you can see the, the growth of companies like Amazon. They make it so simple for you to click a button and basically a couple of days later, products on your doorstep. You know, we've got the same business model, basically direct to consumer. We ship in two days. And, uh, you know, our idea is to, is to create a product with no barriers. We don't have to worry about, you know, again, the, the retail environment, which, you know, a lot of these manufacturers become slaves to these retail stores because of the volume. Uh, they do so much volume that you almost have to do what they say. And, and that's the kind of thing that handcuffs a lot of manufacturers. And uh, I think, uh, unfortunately, the, the person who gets the short end of the stick is the consumer, and uh, we just wanted to change that. Gotcha. So, you guys introduced this company in 2015. How long have you did you and your partner debate on you know talk about? Hey, maybe we should break off and start something new. What was that time frame from the the moment that you decided to start a company and when the first product was launched? Well, we, we had a, we had a non-compete with uh, our former employee. There was a year. So we had to let that expire before we really could do anything. Um, you know, the development time, the, the actual product development, um, was probably the longest aspect. I think we, we came up with a business plan pretty quickly. Um, again, because, you know, John has had a tremendous amount of experience on the sales and marketing side. You know, I have the experience on the product development and marketing side. So we kind of knew what we wanted to do. It was just a matter of, you know, um, waiting out the non-compete and then, uh, you know, basically uh, developing the product. The development, you know, time took a, a, took a, a year for binoculars and a year and a half for rifle scopes. So um, as of May of this year, we had everything in stock, kicked off the company at the NRA convention, and uh, it's, been, it's been pretty exciting ever since. So my question to you is, you know, you, most people decide when they, you know, it's someone in your shoes, they decide to break away from a company 
and start something on their own, a similar product, because they feel that they can do something better. What does Tract provide, I guess, a consumer that is better or not necessarily better, but a benefit to the end user compared to maybe other uh, products that are out there? Well, let's try to put it in really simple terms. So um, let's let's look at a manufacturer um, that deals through uh, one of the big box stores. So they basically, let's say they they produce a product that costs $100 to manufacture. Well, they add on a margin. And, you know, if you look at the clothing, clothing is basically um, Keystone. So Kuyu is a company that's gone direct. phenomenal business model and basically an example is they buy a jacket for a hundred dollars they sell it to you know a retailer for 200 the retailer sells it for 400 well by going direct you can build a 150 dollar product and sell it for 300 so now the consumer is getting a much better product for for the money so when it comes to optics you know, depending upon the manufacturer, and I, I obviously can't speak for, for the entire optics market, but on average, I would say optics are marked up between 30 and 40%. So that consumer is paying 30 to 40% to have that product sit on a shelf in a store. Right. That 30, 40%, that consumer can save by buying from us. Yeah. So our Toric binocular, which is our flagship, um, the 10 power model sells for $664. Um, we're getting people who have purchased the product that have owned a tremendous amount of binoculars. A gentleman uh, posted a, a review on our website just the other day. He, he owns over a hundred sets of binoculars and he feels that our Toric at 664 competes with products like the Leica Trinavid, the Vortex Razor, the Swarovski SLC, and the Zeiss Conquest HD. All of those products are $1,000 and up, some of them $1,500. So if you think about it, that consumer is getting a product for an incredible price that is competing with products, in some cases, costing twice as much. Right. Okay. So from, you know, when you guys decided to, to, to start this, as far as the the binocular specs are concerned, what were some focal points that you guys really wanted to um, pay a lot of attention to uh, as far as, like I said, the, the product specs? You know, when it came to the binoculars, you know, over the years of, of, of working in the industry, we were very fortunate. I did a lot of consumer shows. I, I love to talk to the consumer because they tell you where it's at. You know, if something's right, they're going to tell you. If something's wrong, they're going to tell you. So, you know, being kind of boots on the ground at these consumer shows, you know, that customer tells you, hey, what they like, what they don't like. And one of the things that we noticed was, you know, eye cups. It seems like that's an area that's constantly breaking. There's a lot of issues with, the, you know, the, the rubber coming off and the eyepiece not holding in place. So we spent a lot of time developing a specialized eye cup. Uh, that we honestly feel is one of the best in the industry. Um, again, because we want our product to last that consumer a lifetime. So we took years and years of knowledge and put it into our product based upon what we knew consumers liked and didn't like. Uh, obviously, a balance of things like eye relief, 
field of view and weight. These are all things that the consumer uh, obviously needs in order for that binocular to perform. Um, you know, how it feels in your hand. Uh, you know, we went, uh, we went through, I think, three different uh, texture samples before we found the rubber armor that we felt was perfect. It has the right amount of give, but it's not slippery in your hands. Uh, it just has a great feeling. When you hold that binocular in your hand, you know you're holding something of quality, and, and that was the goal. Okay. After, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about, uh, as far as the direct-to-consumer model, uh, you're getting more more qual- a higher quality product for, for less dollar amount because of the margins. But when it comes to binoculars, it, is there a plateau that the average Joe, let's say I have X amount of dollars and I, I have all these options in front of me, what should a guy be looking for as far as what makes, uh, what makes a pair of binoculars good and, and maybe elaborate on that to, to the fact that is there a plateau that your, the human eye can only notice so much and then anything above that is maybe a waste? That's a great question. And, and honestly, the answer of the latter part is absolutely. You get to the point of where you know, it's almost diminishing returns. When you spend 2000 plus for a binocular, when you compare it to what's being manufactured today, you know, in the $1,000 range, you're splitting hairs. The average consumer, unfortunately, doesn't know what to look for when they pick up a binocular to be able to determine those things. So here, here's a couple of just real quick ones. Uh, edge-to-edge clarity. You can pick up a $99 binocular, look right in the center of that lens, and it's going to be relatively sharp. But when you look to the outer periphery, the edges of that field of view, you're going to see things go soft. They're going to get a little fuzzy. And that happens with every binocular because the lenses in the most cases are curved. But when you get to higher end products, that resolution fall off is minimal. And in most cases, the average consumer can't see it. But the lower price products, you can see it very quickly. The other thing is something called distortion. And there's two types of distortion. Um, There's a pincushion distortion that actually shows curvatures. So when you're looking at, let's say, something that's vertical or horizontal, and you put those things in the outer periphery of your field of view, you're going to see like a bowing effect. And again, because the consumer is looking at the center, most people just concentrate on what's in the center of their field of view. They they don't see it. So those are the kind of things that become very, very important, you know, when you're choosing a binocular of, you know, one price to another. The other thing is uh, low light performance. You know, a lot of people go into the retail store. It's artificially lit. Quite frankly, everything looks good in, in that type of lighting situation. But when you, when you get into a situation, dawn and dusk, when you're hunting, that's when a higher quality binocular is going to actually transmit more light. That means more light will pass through the lenses to your eye. And what allows the binocular to do that is not only the quality of the glass, but the coatings and how many coatings are put on the glass. So you should look for a binocular that is fully 
multi-coated. Fully multi-coated means that every single surface of every lens has multiple layers of coating. Now, the numbers of coating will vary from one manufacturer to another, but you'll see binoculars that say fully coated. Well, that doesn't mean multi-coated. That means there may be some lenses in there that have a single coating on it. So fully multi-coated is extremely important. Uh, we utilize ED glass. ED glass is extra low dispersion glass, and that's actually used in many camera lenses because what it does is it focuses all of the colors in the spectrum of light at one point. What that does is gives you razor-sharp image between contrasting colors. So what happens is if you don't use ED glass, there's a chance that the colors may kind of bleed together and you get almost like a halo-like effect. Uh, the, the term that's often used is color fringing. Um, and in the industry, it's called chromatic aberration. So that's another thing to look for is that, you know, that bleeding of colors and, and kind of soft edges between the contrasting colors. So fully multi-coated, ED glass. You definitely want your binocular to be fully waterproof and fogproof. Uh, we use argon gas, which is a higher level than the nitrogen used in many other competitive products. Argon, argon has a higher resistance to temperature changes uh, and, and therefore it is superior for, you know, outdoor use. Okay. So let's, let's kind of transition into the body of the binocular. Is, is there anything special or different or better um, with the body of your guys' product than, let's say, any other product that's out on the market? Well, um, the Toric and Tacoa are the two uh, series that we offer. The Toric is our flagship. That uses a magnesium alloy body, which is extremely strong and durable, um, but it is heavier than the Tacoa. The Tacoa uses a polycarbonate frame that's reinforced with fiberglass. So you have one that's a little lighter. You have one that's a little more durable. So most binoculars that are magnesium alloy usually are about 30 ounces. Um, ours come in at about 27 ounces. So we've got a, a, a extremely lightweight magnesium chassis uh, binocular. Uh, the polycarbonate um, Tacoa comes in at about 24 ounces. That's pretty much average. Um, so as far as construction, uh, there's binoculars out there using both of those types of chassis. Um, it's really kind of the lenses and optics that really set uh, set us apart. Okay. So what is what are some of the differences between the Tacoa and the Toric? I know you offer a 10 by 42 and an 8 by 42, it looks like, in both models, but there's a roughly a $200 price difference. What, what are the differences between those two models? Sure. So the Tacoa utilizes what we call an advanced um, eyepiece, and it's a much larger diameter eyepiece than the Tacoa has. Um, and that accomplishes several things. The first thing is it provides a wider field of view. The second thing is anytime you have a larger piece of glass, the ability to see detail is increased. The larger the lens, the bigger the sweet spot, the better the ability to see detail. The third thing is the larger lens minimizes the blackout that you get. You know, sometimes you're holding the binocular up to your eyes and you may be cold, you may be shaking a little bit, or, 
you know, if you're in a tree stand and you got your bow in one hand and the binocular in the other and you're kind of shaking, you kind of get the blackout that's associated with a lot of other binoculars that don't have that larger eyepiece. So it's, uh, it's a lot more comfortable to use because, uh, again, that viewing path is, is much larger because of the larger lenses. Uh, obviously, the body construction is different between the two models. And just the overall optical quality. The Torque is going to be brighter in low light and you're going to have a better ability to see detail as well in the Torque. Okay. So, uh, you know, as of right now, you guys are offering two, two, basically two different products at two different uh, magnifications. Um, what is the next step for a company like you? Um, are, are you looking at different magnifications or are you looking at uh, – you know, a different model altogether. Uh, can you talk on maybe what's the, the next step as far as engineering and innovation? Sure. You know, what we started out with were really the, the volume models. So in, in, again, in just our background and our experience in the industry, 842 and 1042 are the best sellers. Uh, 10 outsells eight in the hunting world by a large margin. You move over to kind of the bird watching world, and then eight has kind of a, a, a more of a, a precedence there. But our goal is definitely to expand the product line. Um, you know, being that we launched literally less than a year ago, we don't have any definitive plans at the moment or a timeline on adding additional models, but we fully intend to as the company grows. Um, you know, we've gotten some requests for like 10 by 50s. And even, uh, you know, 32 millimeter objective models. So, you know, we definitely plan to get there. We kind of started off with, uh, you know, the bread and butter of what, uh, the industry really looks for. Okay. So when you guys, I know I'm kind of jumping around all over, but, um, do you guys have, uh, kind of a vision of where you want to take this? this company as far as optics are concerned are you thinking about getting into uh, potentially the spotting scopes uh you know jumping more into rifle scopes and and trying to be uh, a one-stop shop for all your optics yeah the goal the goal for us is to you know have all of the categories so right now we've got binoculars and rifle scopes you know again i don't have a definitive timeline but we hope right. to add spotting scopes we hope to add range finders um, you know, reflex type sites, um, you know, what, whatever our consumer demands, you know, we're, we're going to try and build it. Uh, again, as a small company just starting out, um, you know, we had uh, a certain amount of money set aside for development. And, you know, we, uh, we spared no expense in developing the products that we have right now. So um, that's kind of our initial, uh, our initial launch. Okay. Now for the, uh, uh, and this is something we've talked about in some other ones, but for the people who may not know or, or don't understand, what's the difference between eight by 42 and 10 by 42? Sure. Um, so basically the, the, what are the numbers mean? So let's just look at, at, at 10 by 42 for a moment. So 10 X four, two. So 10 X means 10 times. So what the binocular is doing is magnifying what you're looking at 10 times. So if you're looking at something 100 yards away, it's going to make it appear as if it's 10 yards away. The higher the number in magnification, the more it's going to magnify. 
Um, however, there's a trade-off with all optics. The higher the magnification, the narrower the field of view, the shorter the eye relief. The lower the magnification, the wider the field of view, and generally speaking, the longer the eye relief. So those are all things to think about. If you're an eyeglass wearer, an 8x42 is going to provide longer eye relief than a 10x42. So an 8x42 might be a better choice for an eyeglass wearer because of the longer eye relief. Uh, an 8x42 actually will be brighter in low light than a 10x42 because of what's called the binoculars exit pupil. If you take a binocular and hold it out at arm's length and try to look through it, you're going to see a little circle of light. That's the actual, uh, what I like to call, window of light that actually comes through the binocular to your eye, and it has to match your pupil. So the human pupil dilates from about two millimeters in bright sunlight to seven in total darkness. In a low-light situation, it's going to be about five millimeters. So you really need a binocular that's going to provide four to five millimeters of eye relief for good low-light performance. So an 8x42 is going to provide you know, more than 5. A 10x42 is going to provide more than 4. So you can see with the wider exit pupil, the 8 will actually be brighter in low light. Um, and that's why, you know, if you think about it, you think about a compact binocular, let's say an 8 or 10x25. Well, think about that for a second. 10 into 25, that exit pupil is only 2.5. Unless it's bright out, that means you're going to be looking through a pinhole window if it's a low-light situation. And that's why, quite honestly, compact binoculars are not good for low-light use. And that's something we try to educate people all the time because they want to keep the binocular compact. They don't want it to take up too much space, but you're giving up the main usage by going to a compact because it just will not allow enough light to come through the binocular in those critical dawn and dusk times. So right now I want to ask you a couple scenario questions and uh, and maybe you could recommend to our listeners I'll, I'll give you a scenario and you can uh, recommend what product um, might be the best for them and I'll start off with your average East Coast uh, East Coast Midwest timber hunter who is maybe a, a bow hunter and uh, they hunt out of a ground blind or a tree stand but they're surrounded mostly by trees, not a lot of wide open spaces. Then honestly, an 8x42 is the only binocular to consider, um, specifically because if you're not looking at long distances, you don't need the magnification. The fact that an 8x42 is brighter in low light is a primary reason to use it over a 10 in that type of situation. You know, um, For me, anytime I'm hunting woody, woody terrain, I've got an 8x42. Okay. If I go out west where I'm looking over large expanses, then I will use a 10 by 42. So a, a big choice is really dependent upon where that person hunts. The scenario you mentioned to me, 8 by 42 all day long. Okay. And then is there a recommendation as far as the Toric versus the Tekoa? Well, uh, again, if you're someone that you know lives in an area where you know, you've got antler restrictions and you got to be able to count points, uh, you know, or bucks step out at that last second of light, then a Toric is the way to go. You know, uh, if you need a binocular that's going to perform in extreme situations, then the Toric is the choice. 
Uh, you know, if you're an average hunter and you, you know, you're not looking over long distances or, or whatnot, or, you know, antler size is not important. You don't have to judge animals and get that incredible resolution that the Taurus provides. You know, the, the Tacoa is going to provide, uh, you know, Katoa is going to do it just about any condition, uh, the hunter is going to, going to need it for. Uh, again, if that low light critical situation is something that's really important, you're a guide, you're an outfitter and you're judging animals for other people, then that added low light resolution is going to help. Okay. And then the, uh, the next thing that I want to discuss is I'm on your website right now and you have these categories and it's one of them is tracked trust assurance. Um, talk to us a little bit about your lifetime warranty. Yeah, we basically cover any manufacturer's defects or workmanship. Anything goes wrong with that product at any time. You know, uh, you don't have to be the original owner. <clears throat> no paperwork is required. If you own it, that's all we need to know. If, it's a, if you're in possession of it, you know, send it back to us and we'll repair or replace it. You know, uh, we stand behind the product. Now, what about if I'm, I'm the guy who breaks it? Like I run over it with my truck or I leave it on the hood of the roof of my car while I'm driving down the highway and it, it flies off and breaks. Well, you know, that, that's a great question. And I know there's a lot of companies out there that are offering a no-fault policy. And, and that's a great thing. But what people don't realize is that's built into the price of the product. Uh, and basically, you're paying for that warranty, whether you realize it or not. Um, so those type of programs, I, I think they're great for a consumer. We're not in a position to do that. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of companies doing that to try to steal market share from each other. The big question I have is how long is that program going to last? They're doing it right now. Are they going to do it forever? I highly doubt it because they're going to get taken advantage of. So it, to me, that's just a marketing ploy to get you to buy their product. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, warranty is important, but are you more interested in buying a great product that's guaranteed to work for life? Or are you more interested in buying a backup plan and a warranty? Okay. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there who like to go into the box stores. They like to, or they go to trade shows or whatever, which I'm sure you guys go to, but a lot of people want to touch and grab and feel and, and experience the product before they actually buy it with a direct to consumer uh, model that you guys have. Um, you're kind of relying on a little bit of, Hey, trust us. It's a good product. How, what, what would you like to say to the listeners out there and potential customers um, to maybe get them to jump and buy without having to experience the product first? That's a great question, and, and that's a concern of, of many of our customers. Uh, you know, we offer a 30-day guarantee. If you buy it and you're not 100% happy with it for any reason, you send it back to us in new condition in its original packaging, and we'll refund your money or give you an exchange. So th there's no risk, and, and that's the thing I think people are concerned about when they purchase something, you know, that, that they haven't seen before is are they going to get stuck with it? Well, the answer is no. If you buy it and you look through it, and it's not something that you feel is uh, everything that we say it is, and you're not happy, no problem. Send it back to us, and we'll make it right. All right. So now it comes time. You know, you've done, uh, a guy's done their research. He's done the, um, you know, he, he's, he has his budget. He knows what he wants. But there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of competition out there in the optics game. Why should somebody choose Track Optics over another company? 
Well, the, the bottom line is you get more for your money. You know, if you could go out and everything you bought, if you could save 30% on it and get the same quality or better quality, wouldn't you do it? If you could go out and buy a new truck and save 30% while the other companies are selling, you know, products at 30 to 40% more, what's, what do you, what do you have to lose? Right. Nothing. You have nothing to lose. And the fact is we could have built this company and tried to sell products cheaper than, than, you know, other products. We didn't do that. What we did is we found that middle ground where we're giving you products that are as close in quality as the European products, but nowhere near their cost. Actually costs where really kind of the majority of the market is $500 and lower. So we chose not to create lower price products. We chose to create superior products for the money. And you, you just mentioned something that kind of sparked my interest there, and that is European European products. Historically, has European products been the, you know, the, the top dog of the optics game? Well, absolutely. I mean, if you, if you look at, uh, if you look at even cars, you, you think of brands like Mercedes, uh, it, it's the same thing. European optics have long been considered the pinnacle of, you know, optical quality, German engineering. Uh, you know, Why brands like Zeiss, Swarovski. It's a good question. I, I think they've been doing it for a long time. You know, you look at companies like Swarovski and Zeiss, they've been around for, for a very, very long time. Uh, they only produce super high quality products for the most part. You don't see them engaging in the bargain basement products. Um, so I think there's a respect level that the consumer sees with those brands and aspires, you know, to, to own them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's really no different than if you look at our industry, you know, you look at bows and you've got companies like Hoyt and Matthews that are selling bows that, you know, a thousand bucks and carbon bows at a two thousand bucks. And then you have, you know, archery companies like, you know, like Bear and PSE that, you know, have bows that are, you know, priced there, but the majority of their market is much lower. Um, okay. So it, it's kind of the same thing. You know, there's brands that have been around a long time that, have garnered that uh, that clout, if you will. Okay. Now I wanted to touch base because you guys do offer um, gun scopes as well, uh, and that's something that I'm not uh, familiar with because I'm not uh, I'm not necessarily a gun hunter except for you know turkey hunting. But um, talk to the listeners about you know some of the products that you offer the you know what what makes it a good rifle scope and you know i'll let you take the lead on this one sure well you know when it comes to rifle scopes i mean the the first thing is you got to be able to see what you're aiming at Uh, if you can't see what you're aiming at you know it really doesn't matter you know what other specification and features the scope has so you know when we developed our rifle scopes the hunting line they all feature shot ht glass so HT stands for high transmission. Shot glass is, is the glass that a lot of the European manufacturers actually use because, quite frankly, it's the best. And um, most scopes featuring shot glass cost way, way, way more than ours do because it's an expensive um, glass to, to actually use. So um, right off the bat, we went with, you know, 
a much higher level of glass than a lot of the manufacturers use. Um, our toric features an ED objective lens like our binoculars do. And, um, you know, durability is extremely important. If a, if a rifle scope can't hold zero, then it's basically worthless. You know, all of our scopes are um, tested to withstand 1,000 Gs, which is more than really any modern centerfire cartridge can, can generate. Um, you know, eye relief is extremely important. Um, most scopes um, have anywhere between three to three and a half inches of eye relief. In my opinion, three and a half is a minimal. Um, our Tokoa has three and a half. Our Toric and Turion have four inches of eye relief. So, you know, when you're shooting, you know, ultra magnums and, and Weatherby cartridges and cartridges that generate a tremendous amount of recoil, you don't have to worry about the scope coming back and hitting you. Um, a lot of other manufacturers talk about, you know, a range of magnification. It goes from 3.3 to 4.3. Well, th that's really, it's not a range. What it means is that low power, it has one eye relief and a high power, it has another. Well, anybody that knows anything about accurate shooting knows you have to place your face on the stock in the same place every time in order to have consistency. It's no different than an anchor point with bow hunting or archery. You draw back and you're not drawing back to the same point, you're not going to be accurate. Eye relief is the same concept. Scopes that have varying eye relief means that you have to move your face back and forth on the stock. That's totally um, opposite of what needs to be done. Our scopes have consistent eye relief. So when we say four inches, it's four inches at high and low magnification. Um, and, and again, those are the type of uh, attention to details that were extremely important to us. Um, the adjustments are extremely precise. They track very, very well. Um, all of our uh, scopes feature the ability to have custom turrets engraved so you can actually dial your distance. Uh, all of the scopes feature an option for a, a bullet drop compensating reticle. Um, so, you know, basically all the bells and whistles that any, you know, hunter or target shooter needs. Perfect. Perfect. Well, John, I, I want to say, um, thank you very much for coming on the show. If, uh, if guys are interested and want to find out more information about tracked optics, where should we send them? Uh, go right to our website. It's trackedoptics.com. T-R-A-C-T-O-P-T-I-C. Com. And uh, all the information's on the website. We've got a ton of videos. Um, you, you know, we've got a live chat on our website that you can contact us. You can email us. Uh, you know, we're always available to help folks out and answer questions. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for taking time and coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And there you have it, another podcast in the books. Uh, huge shout out to John LaCourt for coming on the show, talking about tracked optics. Man, we really appreciate it. Uh, thank you to all the listeners out there for taking time to download this podcast and, uh, you know, waste your time with me, I guess you could say. Also, huge shout out to Deer Lab. Huge shout out to Exodus Outdoor Gear and Exodus Trail Cameras. Uh, if you guys want to purchase, make sure at checkout you guys enter the code Nine Fingers and you will receive twenty dollars off your Exodus purchase. Other than that, visit me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, make sure you guys leave a review on iTunes for me. Other than that, have a very good rest of your week. Um, not 100% sure if I'm going to be putting a podcast out on uh, Friday or not, but there is a good chance. 
and uh, hopefully you guys are are still grinding it out out there if you haven't had success so far uh, the more time in the timber the better success you will have and uh, remember when you guys are out there hunting wear your damn safety harness have a good one